Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. All right, welcome to Razor Riffs. Uh, I'm in Vegas at the Tropicana Hotel. Alan Lee couldn't go because uh, he doesn't like Vegas. And I got my guest here who I've been trying to get in the studio for a long time, uh, Harry Basil. And he, he owns, you're not the owner. I'm you're, part owner. You're part Black owner. Actor. Yeah, the general manager yeah. and the booker. The booker. He's yeah. the general manager. Do you book all the clubs? No, I book, uh, I'm part owner of the Vegas Club and the Reno Club. Yeah. And I book both of those. Yeah, he books both of them. And he's also a great comic. He toured a lot with Ronnie Dangerfield, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you're finally doing the show. And I you and I be- worked together the, the first time you were here. That's true. That's because true. Jeremy Hotz was supposed to headline. And he broke he got, his arm. He got in a car accident. He got in a car accident? Yeah, it was a car accident. Oh, he told me he just broke his arm. No, it was a car accident. Oh, it's well, funny how they always t- change the stories. Unless he lied to me. I think maybe he didn't want to tell me I got he got in a- Maybe he was on the toilet. Yeah. It was an embarrassing story. Well, th- so he said car accident. Well, there's some guy, because like, I was actually in a car accident and I actually died. I like, almost died. And uh, like when... Like, I don't like to tell people that because, like, then I think, oh, my God, you know, you know, so I'll say, like, oh, like, I tripped and fell. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah, yeah, So, yeah, like, yeah. so it's not that same. So maybe that's because he knows I'm a very attached to him. So maybe he said that to me, so I wouldn't. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right, okay. But we'll tell him that. We won't even mention that when you okay. see him today. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love to start off. I just love to start off a podcast with a car accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always how you get, yeah. how you start uh, the good podcasts. But um, but no, man. You one you take a lot of pride in this club. I really like because oh, like last time I was here, you know, every single show, you know, you you always like critiqued my comedy, and you know, you were actually really more about the audience, which is not like what a lot of. Club. Well, because you know, well, this is the thing. This is a this is a headliner room. Yeah, it's Vegas. They're paying thirty nine dollars, forty nine dollars, and yeah. fifty nine dollars a ticket. So they got to see a stuff. It's got to be killer stuff. Yeah. And in the day and age of Yelp and social media, where somebody doesn't like a show, yeah. next thing you know, they're going and they're you know, yeah, they're gonna say things. You know, like hey, this guy sucks, or he shouldn't be on stage, or. But what I'm saying is, you're really good about the customer service, about the audience. Like you care really about. Out there well, yeah, we care, but also I care about the comics yeah. too. You know, I mean, the the, the comics actually come first, uh, as long as they're respectful right. and they're doing their job. If the comic is a jerk, well, no, then they don't they don't come first. But I kind of learned that from Mitzi Shore. When yeah. Mitzi Mitzi had her clubs and the Dunes, uh, you know, in Vegas, and and even the the Hollywood Club, the comics always came first yeah. with her. Uh, if there was a person who complained or wanted their money back or complained about a comic, she was, uh, you know, fuck you, you know, and the <laughs> comics come first. So I like that. And then yeah. this staff uh, that I have, you know, they all worked for Bob Kephart, who had the comedy stop, and it, the comics didn't come first. Yeah. So I kind of let them know, no, they do. The comics are the stars. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And they need to be treated like stars. And uh, that's why we had this great dressing room and yeah, it's we a stock great it with food and booze and yeah. you know and take care of the comics. You know, when I first uh, did this room last last year, 
you have all these pictures of great albums. I actually really thought they were the albums, and you just like put the frames on them. I didn't know they're. Are they the albums? Well, they are the albums. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so they're actually that. No, those are all. Those are all comedy albums inside. Um, the, so the, I was right then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's why would you? Oh, I thought you just no took people. The pictures people frame that. no people frame comedy albums. Yeah, so, yeah. So you like for instance all these uh, he's talking about like on the wall in the green room one yeah. whole wall is covered with comedy LPs. Yeah, and I thought if you were, go to any record store there's a whole comedy section. Yeah. And they're not expensive. I mean they're like from three dollars up to nine dollars. The most expensive one was a an old Lenny Bruce one was like ten bucks, yeah. but. Um, they're basically about five bucks, and I buy them for the comedians that I like, and also the artwork. There's some really cool yeah, like covers the up Steve there. Steve Martin ones. Yeah, really Steve cool. Martin's are great, and there's a, a Sam Kennison one with him holding a match. Uh, there's a George Carlin class clown with his finger, middle finger up his nose, and yeah. you know they're just fun, you know. Uh, and I've got so many more that I haven't even framed yet. Yeah. Well, that's the frames cost more than the actual albums do. Wow. And what I want to do one day is get a, uh, a a record player in here that's also a CD burner. You know, they they, yeah. they, they and then um, put all of the albums in a filing box. So if the comics want to hang out after the show and listen to a comedy album, oh, they my, could. That'd be awesome. And then if they want a copy of it, there's, a, there's there'll be a stack of. Uh, CDs they could burn a copy of it so this oh way my. nobody will steal it so that would be cool yeah, that would be fun to kind of hang out oh and just, my god you know, hey let's listen to Robin tonight or let's listen you know to Steve Martin in between shows that's a great idea yeah. that would be awesome man. Steve Martin uh, he he's I've always loved him but he's now doing uh, like he does concerts now with Martin Short and yeah. Mar Martin Short does the stand up comedy Steve plays like a bonjo well, he pay, plays the banjo. Yeah, yeah, he's always played the banjo, but but they are doing comedy together, which is great to see Steve yeah. Martin doing comedy again. I watched the Netflix special, and it was um, you know good? there was there was stand up. Yeah. You know, they, it's written out, and I'm sure they improvise. You know, when they're performing together. But I I heard stories about Steve Martin. Steve is a very rehearsed comic. Yeah. Uh, everything was always planned and rehearsed. I'm sure he could be brilliant at improvising, but uh, a friend of mine was an editor on uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. And he said that John Hughes would always throw lines to John Candy right while they were rolling, and John Candy would just do it. And I think Judd Apatow works that way, too. Yeah. You could watch the behind the scenes of... Um, of uh, a 40-year-old virgin and, you know, the whole Kelly Clarkson... Uh, Kelly Clarkson, when he's getting waxed, Judd will just scream out a line and his actors will just do it, yeah. just stay in character and do it. So John Candy was great at that and John Hughes was doing that to Steve Martin and Steve Martin, like, you know, cut and took him aside and said, look, I I have to think about a line. I I rewrite it. So yeah. so he didn't give any more lines to Steve Martin that way, but kept throwing them to John Candy because they had, they had come from that Second City background. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's very interesting about Steve Martin because he seems like he'd be a perfect guy to do that line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know I mean? But Rodney was like that too. Rodney was extremely rehearsed. He would analyze a joke. He would change a word here or there. Uh, I mean, he was funny to hang out with. He would come up with a line. Like when we would do movies – Everything was all planned out, and there were a lot of one-liners from his act in it. Right. And sometimes he'd crack up people on the set, and we go, oh, Rodney, that's hysterical. You should put it in the movie. He'd go, yeah, really? And then I'd have to go back to the trailer with him and spend a half an hour trying to work it into the dialogue. Yeah. Cool thing about Rodney and his movies, uh, 
there there are a handful of comedians that could take a joke from their act and stick it in like dialogue. That's Groucho Marx, yeah. W.C. Fields, uh, Rodney, and Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal is oh, another I love one. Billy Crystal. Like you know, if you watch. Uh, uh, um, Forget uh, Paris. Uh, yeah, but the, what was the one? The, the cowboy one, uh, City, City Slickers. Slickers. There's a lot of one-liners in that yeah. that are like, from you know, his, from an act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, the definitely stand-up kind of like. And Bugs Bunny was like that too. You know, Bugs Bunny was almost like a stand-up comic. Yeah, you know, had a lot of one-liners and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's actually very interesting. Yeah. But I never thought of that, about yeah. Bugs Bunny. Uh, who was the first comedy album you heard that you were like? Not even wanting to be a comic, just like you and your friends, like, oh my God, listen to this. And it was like, you felt like you were the only people, yeah. uh, you know, on, in town or on earth that, that discovered this this funny person. Well, one, when I was a kid, I didn't have any friends, but I did listen to comedy. Thanks for bringing me down. <laughs> no worries. But you're, this answer is totally going to shock you. Like, literally shock okay. you, because it's not one of the classics like Rodney or whatever. But it was Fred Stoller. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So... He's funny, funny he, guy. Yeah, but it, it's voice. a shocking answer, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. No, no, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like no one says he's the first comic I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I remember watching the Young uh, Comedian special. It was mm-hmm. him, Drake Slater, Warren Thomas, uh, Spade, Schneider, and Fred Stroller. And Dennis Miller actually hosted that one. Fred Stroller was the most unique one because his humor, like, it kind of related to me because that's how I was. I was very right. shy, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I, like, the joke. Maybe the voice, too, because he was a real character type, too, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and then, you know, it, it was just so weird because then years later when I started doing comedy, I actually worked with Fred. For oh, wow. So like, He called me about a year ago. He was writing a... He was either writing a book or something about maybe. those HBO specials. Yeah, maybe one. Well, because uh, I was in the first one with Rodney, and he interviewed me and asked me about it and stuff. Because I guess he was in like one of the earlier ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's cool. I, I, my buddies and I, we, of course, was uh, Carlin, the seven. Yeah. You know, word dirty words that you can't say on TV. And um, Cheech and Chong. Oh old, yeah. Uh, hey, it's me, Dave. Open the door. I got stuff. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. You know that one, and then um, Buck Buck, uh, Bill Cosby. Oh you know yeah. I mean? And uh, there was a there's one about getting hit with a slushy snowball and how he saved it in his freezer for a year to get even with the guy, and then his mom threw it away or whatever, like he was gonna hit him with it. Yep. But I just remembered uh, those three particular albums, and they weren't mine; they were buddies because I didn't have a record player. I wasn't into music, but it, like that was the first time I actually heard a yeah. full-on stand-up act. Yeah. Know? What, like I, I don't re- remember how, like I remember that made me feel like really happy inside like a different outlook and mm-hmm. like like I don't know how when people hear a comedy how they think of it but like for me it felt like this is amazing like you know how like when you yeah. hug Santa Claus when, when you get off him sure 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 it was like that feeling it was just unless awesome. he's got a boner and then yeah. <laughs> it's an awkward experience well you know I mean yeah. I don't remember Santa's boner what about the first time you went into a comedy club Oh, the first time I went in a comedy club was when I was 16. I snuck into the Irvine Improv to go see Norm Macdonald. Oh, cool. And uh, it, and then you wind up knowing him and becoming friends with him. That's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I was very nonverbal. Uh, comedy made me more verbal because uh, I have autism. And uh, I was very, like, me talking like this. Yeah. When I was, you know, 12 and 13, this went in. 
Oh wow! So you I was very sit, you'd just be sitting there quiet, rocking or something. Right, like exactly. I was like comedy made me more verbal. And That's great. I still have the speech stutter, and you know, but like the older I get, and the more comedy I do, you know. It, it gets better. You know, that's what's great about uh, Jamie Masada's comedy camp. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's for inner city kids. Just, you know, Tiffany Haddish came out of that. You know, yeah. she had some problems. She's my favorite comic uh, she's, right now. She's, she's like, I keep saying she's the next Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know, she's going to be on, on that. She's almost at that level now. Movie star. She could just do it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and she's selling out everywhere, and uh, and she wanted to play here, and I didn't book her because uh. you know she was pretty dirty, and and I saw her at the Christmas party, the Laugh Factory Christmas party. She was like, "You blew it, you blew it. I'm too famous now for you to book me." I go, "I know, Tiffany. I fucking blew it, you know." Because even when we were, booking, nice we were booking the theater, uh, I think you were here last year, and I told you I was doing some big shows in the theater. I spoke to her agent and I said, Danny, who else do you have? This is that APA. And he goes, Tiffany's going to be really big after this movie. I'm going, yeah, but it hasn't come out yet. I can't book her in an 1100-seat theater. Sure enough, that movie comes out. She's a bonafide star. And now she's selling out at the uh, Aces of Comedy over yeah. at the Mirage. Yeah. So I blew it. I blew it. <laughs> But at least you know. But at least you feel. I think that's one of those things you blew that you actually feel good about, though. Because like, well, I'm happy for yeah. her. I couldn't be happier for her. Yeah. She deserves it. Yeah. She works so hard and she's so talented. Oh, yeah. And she's the funniest comedian on panel. Uh, I mean, oh yeah. She yeah. kills it on panel. Yeah. You know, like you know, it's like the old. I mean, this just dates me. But like when I used to watch the Tonight Show and Rickles would be on or or. Or Rodney, or, or Burt Reynolds, or one of these stars that just fucking killed it on panel. Colbert loved her. Fallon, uh, she's just fucking great. Yeah, she's she's so real. She's not a phony. That's what's great about her. Did yeah. you did you ever do panel on those shows? I did panel on Joan Rivers for just a little bit. You know, I mean, I did stand up first. Yeah, I think I was on panel with Henry Winkler and Rhea Perlman. Oh. Henry yeah. Rickley was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, how, like was he like really nice? He he was not the Fonz and yeah, Henry yeah. Winkler, but yeah, he was nice. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who just seems like like because like in all those movies, like he's the character I'd pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, you know I love I, mean? I loved him in um, uh, Click. Uh, he's he's in uh, yeah, but he's in this new show uh, called Barry oh. uh, with. Um, Oh God! From SNL, uh, he was also in um, Super Bad. He played one of the cops with Seth Rogen. Bill, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Yeah. Yeah. He's so he, hilarious. He's a hitman. He's a yeah. hitman. But he wanders into an acting class because there's a guy that he has to, you know, bump Assassin. off. Yeah. And then they pull him up on stage, and he's hooked. And Henry Winkler plays the drama teacher, and he's fucking great. <laughs> and he's nominated for an Emmy, and. And Louis Anderson, who's one of my best friends, yeah. is nominated for Baskets again this year. Oh, that's so awesome. I said, Louis, congratulations. And he goes, yeah, but I'm up against Henry Winkler, and he's never won an Emmy. Oh. You know, so, and he's, you know, this is a big deal for Henry Winkler. So uh, Has Louis won before, though? Louis won the first year. And oh. Louis beat out Ty Burrell from uh, Modern Family and Adrian Brunner from, uh, yeah. uh, what is that cop show that... Uh, uh, San, uh, uh, I know Andy's, what you're talking Andy, about. Uh, yeah. I don't know the name of God, it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little lost for words uh, for names today. But uh, but if Louis does lose, at least he won one before. Yeah, he won so, first the first yeah, season. That's that, great. That's yeah. like you know that's. I a, mean to win to to be in your first. 
I mean, Louis's been around a long time, and he's he's won two Emmys for Life with Louis, daytime Emmys for the animated show, but to win an acting Emmy is fucking cool. Yeah. Am I allowed to say fucking? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. There you I, go. I only get charged twenty dollars per curse yeah. word. It doesn't. Okay. Matter. There we go. No, you get it. It's cool. Hey, did you see uh, Norm's comedians and car getting coffee with Seinfeld? It's very funny. I. Uh, I know he was on it. I did not oh, watch great. it. Oh, it's great. You gotta yeah. watch it. It's no. Hysterical. No, I did not watch it. But you know why? And they were in the tiniest car. Norm is so big. Yeah, you he's know, a tall guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? You know why I didn't watch it? Because and I'm probably I I'm just not the biggest Jerry Seinfeld fan. Oh, really? Yeah. I, he does uh, nothing for me. I like Seinfeld, but I also like to hear these uh, comics. I'd seen in a the guest like would that. be more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the one with Zach Galifianakis is very funny. Gary Shandling is brilliant. I love Gary Shandling. He's yeah. like one of my favorite comics of all times. But like, it's because like my adopted uncle was Patrick Warburton, and he was on Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. He played David Putty. Oh wow! Yeah. So when, when you say he's your adopted, uh, he's my stepdad's best friend. Oh okay. So like, they grew up together. So okay, they're like cool. brothers. He's great. So we call him Uncle Pat, you know. And uh, I remember like when I did comedy, uh, Pat already did Seinfeld, but he was on uh, Rules of Engagement. Everyone would ask him Seinfeld questions about Seinfeld. I would be like, "What's David Spade like?" Like he used to like. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, because I think that Spade, in my opinion, is a better comic. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but every if you ask every single comic, they'd be like, "You're fucking crazy." You know what I mean? Like Spade is better comic than who? Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Like that. You know what I mean? Like they'd be like, "What are you smoking?" You know what I mean? Like a friend of mine just saw Spade and Ray Romano together. And said that they enjoyed Spade set better. Yeah. But you know, Romano's gone through a lot of material. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would um, be a great show. But uh, I love Ray Romano. The yeah. first time I ever, I worked with Ray here at this club when it was the Comedy Stop. Oh, really? Yeah, back in the, the 90s. Did you manage that too? No, no, no I was just, you were uh, just that was owned by it? someone else. I was just working it. Oh, nice. And George, our, our Mater D, and Blanco, yeah. and Steve, uh, they all worked for Bob Kephart. So, when I took over this club after Brad Garrett left here, yeah. I called these guys up and said, "Hey, man, I'm opening up the club. I want you guys to come work for me." Oh, that's so, really sometimes awesome. Sometimes we have sometimes we have guests come in who were here 25 years ago when it was a comedy stop, and they can't believe that they still see George here or yeah. or Blanco. You know. But when, you know what? What else I really like about this club is you're very humble to comedians who aren't even on the show. You allow oh, them yeah. to come yeah, in course. and just come hang in, out. Watch the show. You do a karaoke night. Yeah, except for blacks. We don't want to black. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I was gonna say. I thought I saw Bruce Jingles here once. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. No. I, I love my black people. Where are the blacks? Where are my blacks? That's a good Trump impression. Oh man. Do you do Trump on stage? I do a little bit of. Oh yeah. Show. Yeah. You gotta be careful here, though. You gotta be, you know, you don't want. I don't want to be too offensive and have people, you know, yeah. pissed off. You know? But I think I think Trump impressions are now popular because he's president. But yeah. remember when he wasn't president, no one did. Well, what's his name was brilliant at it um, from SNL. Um, God, he works at the Comedy Store a lot now. Uh, Daryl Carp- Hammond. Oh, Daryl Hammond. Hammond. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, he's, he's he's great. He's. He, would you say he's probably one of the best? Impressions? I say he's one of the best ones out yeah. there. Bar none. Looks like them, you know, just, I mean, I love Dana Carvey's also because they're just so silly and over yeah. the top, you know, uh, but Daryl Hammond, yeah, hands down is great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't really seen Frank Caliendo that much. 
You know, I know, I know yeah. he does Dr. Phil and Madden, yeah. uh, George Costanza, you know, uh, what's his name from Seinfeld. But uh, I love Hammond. He's great. Yeah, yeah, I would say he's one. Yeah, because I don't like impression in comedy, but whenever I see him, I just laugh yeah. because it's so dead on. I love Norm's uh, Letterman. Letterman? And then his... Uh, and his uh, Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds yeah. Because yeah. I directed, I directed Burt Reynolds in a movie. Oh, and the the meat. No, it was a. You didn't direct that. This one I wrote. Oh. I wrote and produced, Meet Wally Sparks, but uh, I directed a beach volleyball comedy called uh, Cloud Nine. Yeah. Where Burt Reynolds like has this puts together this beach volleyball team of strippers. You know, oh, that's awesome. And then they want to be taken seriously, you know, and kind of go out for the Olympics. D.L. Hughley's in it. Oh, um, I love D.L. Oh my God! Who the fuck could Gary Busey's in it? Tom Arnold. Uh, uh, I love Tom. Um, Tom's a my bunch boy. of comedians. I put a whole bunch of comics in the movie, and some real hot chicks are in it. Yeah. Uh, this is a TV show called Vikings. Right. The, the lead girl on that, the blonde. Show, she was in that. She was in that movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see a lot of. Oh, and then the this actor Paul Wesley, who had a supporting role. He's. The star of uh, Vampire Diaries. Yeah. The, the the good brother, not the not the asshole one. Oh, know? okay. Anyway, but so, it's still a big role. Yeah. yeah, it's anyway, it's on it's on like. Uh, but he was in that the volleyball. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So Bert Bert was great to work with, and he's just a fucking legend. I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, uh, you know, everybody loved Bert Reynolds. Yeah. How long? How long? Because uh, you you toured with Rodney for a long time. How long did you actually do that? Seventeen years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was in his first HBO special, the the ninth Young Comedian special, in like '84. Yeah. And then, um, like two years later, after he did a couple more, he wanted to put together a show called Rodney and Friends, and he wanted to use like some comedians from his past specials. So it was uh, Robert Schimmel, Saget, myself, Rodney and someone else and uh, Rodney got to see my whole act wow. and uh, then he was because in the special I only got to do like seven minutes right and he was like man you want to open for me you know and then, oh, that's and then when we started working together the second time I worked with him he says man you're really into movies you know you're wrecked do you ever write, write a script and I said oh I'm reading a book on screenwriting right now called How to Write a Screenplay in 21 Days that Steve Oderkirk gave me, you know, uh, Steve Oderkirk who wrote yeah. uh, Ace Ventura 1 and 2 and all the thumb movies, yeah, he's yeah. a great screenwriter, brilliant director. So Steve gave me this screenwriting book and sold me his laptop with a screenwriting program. So the very first movie I wrote with Rodney was called The Fourth Tenor and Rodney at one gig showed me this treatment he goes man I got two treatments uh, I want you to read them and tell me which one you like better and one was for the fourth tenor where he was an op he owned like a, a, a restaurant in New York City with singing wait waiters mm -hmm. and he falls in love with the singing waitress but she tells him that she could only love a man who could sing opera so he goes to Italy and learns how to become an opera singer and he finds this magic wine that gives him this great voice yeah. so he can go back and get the girl. And then the other one was he worked at an advertising agency and he found this cologne that made him irresistible to women. So they were both kind of like fantasy comedies. So I read the two, they were both about five pages long. And he goes, which one did you like better? And I said, oh, the opera one. He goes, me too. Yeah. Can you believe Warner Brothers hired two writers to write the other one? He goes, do you want to write a screenplay with me? And uh, I said, yeah, sure. So uh, he paid me to write it. He said, you're not going to get any writing credit on it because it's my idea. But he paid me like 20 grand to write 
a long treatment, like a 45-page treatment. And then I added so much to it. And again, the book really helped me out a lot. Yeah. And uh, one of the big things in the book is to put the movie on, on index cards. You know, each scene and you tape it up on the wall and you could see the first act, second act, third act. Yeah, that's... And, uh, and then you could write dialogue on each card. Uh, and... Um, we wrote it in like 21 days. And, uh, oh, so after we did the treatment, he was like, you want to write the full script with me? And again, you're not getting any credit on this. Yeah. So he gave me another 20000 So this is like, I used this money to buy a house. This was my first big money that I made as a comic. And at the end of writing the script, he said, you put so much into this, I'm going to give you screenwriting credit with me. Wow. And so that script sat in limbo for 10 years. At one point, uh, Ben Stiller was going to direct it. Uh, David Perman was going to produce it. It was going to be done at New Line. You know, we yeah. had meetings with uh, Bob Shea and all that. And cut to like 10 years later, and Rodney asked me to direct that movie, and that was my first movie that I directed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was so cool, you know, that it came around first. Meanwhile, we had done... We had done three other movies. We did Ladybugs and yeah. Molly Sparks and then, and another movie called My Five Wives that I was just a co-writer and producer on. But after the third movie that we worked on together, he goes, you're ready to direct. Because he'd see that I worked closely with the directors and would ask questions and yeah. learn how to block a scene and all that stuff. You know? Did you have anything to do with Back to School? No. I was only involved with the bombs, all the one that yeah. went straight to oh, the no. But you know what was I heard funny? that you did, but I No, didn't. no. What, what was interesting about that was um, I I was in his special, and he just started to know me. And be, you know, We became kind of friends, and he said, hey, man, I'm doing a movie. You might be right for playing my son. But it's not up to me, it's up to the director in the studio. So I had I screen tested for The Sun. For so maybe that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was up for that, and I didn't get it. Uh, you lost it to the same Keith Gordon, right? I, yes, yeah, Keith Gordon, who's a brilliant director. Uh, and then I wound up getting uh, um, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married the same week that yeah. I didn't get that. But I would have loved to have been in Back to School. I think if Roddy and I were as close as we wound up becoming, he would have just said, hey, man, Harry's playing my son, okay? Yeah. That's it, you know? Because uh, that's the way it was later on with the directing. He was like, Harry's directing the movie, all right? But Peggy Sue Got Married was pretty good. It was fun. And you know what? I was a big fan of Francis Ford Coppola, and all my scenes were with Nick Cage and Jim Carrey. We played buddies. We were in a group. So it was a lot of fun being on that movie. My first movie, rather than being Boob Party 2, you know what I mean, was uh, working with these Academy Award uh, you know, uh, caliber people. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Nick Cage. Uh, Nick, like, Nick Cage is kind of, like, I think he's a great actor. But there's also people who think he just plays the same guy every time. You know um, I, mean? I I don't know about that because he's 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 kind of a character actor too. I mean, he's really yeah. out there. You know, like like you could say, hey, Nicholson always plays the same character. Yeah. It's shades of Nicholson or shades of Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Whereas Dustin Hoffman is a character actor. Yeah. You know, Rain Man to Razzo Rizzo to Billy Bathgate to you know he he he's a character actor that's also a leading man. But um, um, Nick Cage. You know, you could love him or hate him. It's yeah. Like some movies that's he's what I'm really, trying to say. Some movies he's really over the top and annoying, and some he's just freaking brilliant in. Yeah. Uh, Rodney used to say, man, he's hard to look at. Oh, because <laughs> of his hair? His face yeah. and his everything. I'm like, okay, what about you, Rodney? You know what I mean? <laughs> he's hard to look at, but uh, he was great in um, Moonstruck, you know, yeah. Cher. Uh, 
Honeymoon in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, then, of course, the action movies that he did later Con on. Con Air. Con Air and The Rock. Yeah. They were fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I liked him in uh, Kick-Ass. The first oh, Kick-Ass. Yeah. He was great in that, you know? How come he wasn't in the second one? I don't Well, he got killed and set on fire. That, oh, that's that true, right? That, yeah. That could, you know. Yeah. When but, you're on fire and dead, yeah. it's hard to bring you back, unless you're Frankenstein. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, uh, and then Jim Carrey wound up doing it, which... It was kind of cool that Jim and, and Nick are friends, and they met on Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah. And Jim Carrey had the room next to mine, and Nick Cage would go into Jim's room, and Jim's friend Phil had a, a video camera. And I'm talking, this is back in 84, so it was yeah. a, a beta video camera where the deck was like gigantic, and then it had a cable that went to the camera. And they were in that room all night long making goofy videos. I would love to see this video. Laughing all night to like 3, 4 in the morning. Yeah. Um, Jim, and, have and you ever gone both, after Jim Carrey? Like on a set? Like on a comedy set? Have I ever gone after him? Yeah, like, you know, like at the store where they... And then like you go after Jim. Because um, he would... It seems like he would be really tough to follow. Uh, you know what though? When I started... When I did follow Jim... He wasn't doing his big standing ovation act. Oh. He had this really amazing impressionist act that he would get a standing ovation every single show. And, you know, he did like Billy Joel, he did uh, Tim Curry from. Uh, I love uh, Tim Curry. From. Um, Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. Uh, he, he did all these singing impressions, and then he would close with the movie on Golden Pond, and he would do uh, Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda. And everyone was just jumping to their feet. And it was just this amazing act. And then he started doing, you know, he had, a, he had a, uh, his own show, Duck Factory, and he was doing a lot of movies. And he started hanging out with Kennison and that group. Yeah. And Kennison was giving him a hard time. Like, what are you doing that Fred Travelina Vegas act? And, and Jim threw away the whole act. He started from scratch. And he was going up on stage and doing really wild, weird shit where he would bomb some nights. The comics were in the back of the room watching him going, how fucking brave is he to go up there and just work on shit? And an act started to grow from this. And yeah. He took some pieces where he would do some, like he used to do Elvis in his act. Well, now he would do post-nuclear Elvis and he would tuck his arms into his sleeves where he had like really small, deformed arms. Yeah. Well, it's one for the money and the arms would move almost like a, like a, like a T-Rex arms. And it was hysterical. And then he wound up getting in living color and all that weird shit. Word. Fire Marshal Bill, a lot of those voices that he would do in his act worked and... Uh, but it was very brave of him to yeah. throw away that act and start from scratch. And, and he's just such a brilliant actor. I mean, and that's hard to do, the, too. The amazing thing about Jim Carrey is we have only seen a tip of the iceberg of what that guy can do. Yeah. He's so talented. And uh, all of a sudden, I see a movie come out, like even uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, mm -hmm. which is not for everyone, and it was in the can for like three or four years. Uh, he's fucking brilliant in that movie just did, did you ever see international sunshine of the Mar yeah 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 that totally one, yeah he was like he was great in that. blew me away the truman show yeah M my favorite comedy is i, I love liar liar that movie oh just yeah kills me because it's such a brilliant physical performance that scene when he's beating himself up in the men's room i'm kicking my ass do, do you mind, mind? <laughs> i always thought the do you mind was the punch 
Oh, you know what I mean? Guy, <laughs> so punchline of a uh, joke. Yeah, he, he's he's the best. Uh. But but yeah, it's it's so funny that they never really did a movie together since that they became buddies and they're both like on a planet Mars. Yeah. And um, like Jim was also absolutely brilliant as Andy Kaufman. I think. Nick Cage is the only other actor I could think of who maybe could have pulled off the Andy Kaufman character. He maybe oh. wouldn't have gotten the voice down as good as Jim or done the stand-up, but he had that essence of... Like the physical. Of, of yeah, physically lo- looking like him yeah. and just not knowing, being unpredictable, yeah. you know? And that's what's great about an actor like Nick Cage. You don't know what the fuck he's going to bring to the table. I think Robin Williams could have done it, too. Uh... Yeah, totally. You know, totally, Robin could have done it too. Because Robin was, um, he, I thought Robin was an amazing actor. You know what's great about Robin is Robin was, Robin's best performances were drama yeah. with comedic overtones. But he, he really didn't have a hit comedy, I mean a great hit comedy until Mrs. Doubtfire, Doubtfire which was yeah. an all-out comedy. I mean, Moscow on the Hudson, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Garp, those were dramas with comedy in Funny, them you know yeah. uh, but uh, uh, the early ones like um, Popeye what was what Popeye Popeye and then there was one where it was like a resort Club Paradise oh with then, Rick Moran. yeah and then another one where he and Kirk Russell they relived their youth and played the same football game again yeah. and then he did another one called Survivors with uh, with Walter Matthau I mean they yeah. weren't you know hits and then after a uh, after uh, Mrs. Doubtfire and then the Birdcage, I love the Birdcage. Oh yeah, the bird and the great cage. thing about Robin in that is Robin could have easily played the other part, you know, the um, the Nathan Lane part, but his part was so um, controlled. I just loved him as Armin in that movie. He was brilliant. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really loved Robin. Moore. What a loss, huh? Yeah, yeah, especially to the comedy. Oh my god It was so shocking too There's a great documentary on HBO right now About inside the mind of Robin Williams Yeah But you know what You know what's It's the thing that I've noticed Like I have a theory that I think that uh, Comedians who end their own lives Are actually deep down really great comedians Like Drake Sather He ended his own life And he was like a great comedian And he kind of told it in his jokes What he was going to do Oh shit! You know what I mean? It's very, it's very sad, but that's how much I love comedy. Like all, because every joke is written from heart and truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean that's just the truth. You know, you could twist it all you want. There's some truth into every single joke. Yeah, I guess so. You, you know? know, it all depends on the the act and the, and what they're you know whether or not they talk about themselves. Exactly. Or, or it's it's shades of their uh, personality. Yeah. I, I think somebody once asked. Uh, Stephen Wright what's the difference between his stage persona and his offstage persona and he said his stage persona doesn't like fish <laughs> I thought was a great answer that's awesome yeah who, who are your favorite comics like right now though like who are working right now or who aren't even not working just guys who you think are really good like I like three. I, I mm, boy I love Bill Burr I think he's brilliant yeah um I really like uh, Dice. Still fucking kills me. Yeah, but D- you know? Dice is like a he's no, but I mean he's still he's still relevant. Dom Irera just fucking cracks yeah. me up. I love Rich Hall. I will watch Rich, Rich Hall, Hall anytime he's here because he's always working on shit. He's brilliant. Some of the new guys I really love Eric Griffin and oh, Cristalia. Yeah. I think they're they're hysterical. Yeah. Um, I love uh, Brian Scalero. I love Quinn Dale. I think they're both good writers. Um, 
and I like I like their acts. Yeah. And I like hanging with them. They're buddies too. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, growing starting out, oh Louis Anderson, I love Louis Anderson. Yeah. And again, these guys are buddies too. But I just I just really enjoy watching them work. Their comedy, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, there's another guy named Andrew Norelli that I really like. I think he's very funny. Yeah, I've heard of Andrew. Yeah. I've never seen. Jeremy Hotz is is great. Oh, I love Jeremy. You know, uh, Tom Papa is another one that I love. I'd love to Tom get Papa. him here. I don't think we can afford him, but I'd love Tom. Oh, and I, I fucking love, love, love. Theo Vaughn. I just think he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. yeah. He kills me. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Well, you had Roseanne here a long time ago. Yeah, right? we had Roseanne here about three years ago. She did about a four-month residency at 7 o'clock, and yeah. it was great because she, she hadn't done comedy in about 10 years, and she kind of came back. Was she, like, a little rusty, though? Uh, she was a little, a little bit, but she, boy, after, like, three days, she, she had it, you know, I think she had a monitor on stage just in case. Yeah. You know, with some some jokes, some bits on it. But boy, after a week, she was fucking polished. You know, it was wild back in back in the '80s when I worked at the comedy store. I started as a doorman, and you know, Mitzi made me a paid regular. And Richard Pryor was working on his act for Live on the Sunset Strip, and right. you see Pryor come in, and this was after the fire, and he was healthy and on the mend. And you see him work on material, and the audience would just applaud because it's Richard Pryor and give him that respect. And you saw the inklings of a bit, you know, yeah. a, a, a premise. And after like maybe two weeks, you go, oh, there's a joke. He's got a punchline there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then after like five weeks or six weeks, it's a fucking brilliant piece. Yeah. And just seeing how polished he was and, you know, just had it down. But it just, he was very nervous at the beginning and uh, just getting back on stage standing away from the audience almost all the way against the curtain and then like after five or six weeks he's all the way up front at the microphone and pacing a little bit and has the fire and yeah. something to say it was it was great watching him work yeah and and seeing a lot of guys work you know when i started out i uh you know went on amateur night and stood in line but i used to pay to go to the store on, on friday and saturday night yeah. and go into the main room and watch the, the big guys uh, because you're not going to learn anything just hanging out with other potluckers and amateurs. I think you learn more when you go see professionals. Yeah, shows. so I would buy a ticket. Yeah. Not to like say, hey, I wanted to take something, but I'd go, all right, this this particular guy, he's uh, he talks about himself. He's got a, a persona or, you know, like someone like Louis Anderson talking about being from the Midwest and being heavy. and He had the characters with his mom and his dad and his brother and... Uh, then I'd see Jim Carrey and Dice using music yeah. and props and doing impressions. And I could always do that ever since I was a kid. So they inspired me like, oh, you don't have to just stand up there and tell a joke. I could write an act like that. So I came up with my own act. Yeah. You know? and, uh, but it was inspiring. You know? yeah. and, and everyone, we were all friends. And when Mitzi booked us in Vegas, there was five headliners working together. I mean, there's a picture up here on the wall of the first week at the Dunes. It's me, Louis Anderson, Andrew Dice Clay, Paul Rodriguez, Blake Clark, oh, and, I Jim love Blake Carrey, Clark. and Jim Carrey. Oh. And that was our first week at, at the Dunes. It's May 4th, 1984. I was 24 years old. It was my birthday. And it says, Band of Unknown Zanies Invade the Dunes. Wow. And it was like we all worked together. And it was like a college. And we helped each other out. And recommended guys for other gigs or recommend I mean I got in Peggy Sue got married because Paul Rodriguez and Louis Anderson 
they were in a movie called Quicksilver with uh, Kevin Bacon. Right. And the same casting director said, hey, who's hot at the comedy store? Someone we should look at. And they both said, oh, you got to see this guy, Harry Basil. And she comes to see me, and I got cast in uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. And you, you didn't audition. I did audition. I did oh. what? They saw me. I didn't even read. Oh. Uh, they saw me. Uh, the, the producer saw me, and the casting, the casting director saw me, and then the producer came to see me. And then I had a meeting the next day, and I had the fucking part. Yeah, it awesome. was a supporting role, so there wasn't like a, a full-on scene where they go, "Hey, here's a lot of dialogue. Read this." I no, but you were singing with. Yeah, you and know, I'm, I mean, yeah, uh, you were yeah. I, I mean, I worked for the movie on the movie for six weeks. You know, yeah. it was pretty cool. I remember. But guys, guys helped each other out. It's scary to recommend someone today. Oh, you definitely. Know, you know what I mean? Because it's like the guy fucking sucks. Yeah. It could affect you. You know. Yeah, I, I totally get that. But I remember when I saw Peggy Sue Got Married, I was a kid, I watched it with my dad. And like my dad was like, oh, this is Jim Carrey's first movie. And then you find out years later, it wasn't his first no, movie. No, it wasn't his first movie, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I think people were under that uh, belief. But, man, Blake Clark. I'm, Blake I'm, is that's one of my awesome best friends. He's great. Yeah. He's awesome. I yeah, love him. Yeah, he's great. We're going to have him come back here. I think I want to book, I was talking to him the other day, I'm going to book him and Jerry Bednop yeah. and, and bill it as those guys from, from, from that movie. Because oh. they're like, you recognize them from all the movies yeah. that they've done. They're both great character actors, you know. And, and they're both and the nicest guys. Oh, they're, they're great. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, don't piss Jerry off, though. I'll get pissed. Oh, fuck you, you fuck. <laughs> Jerry Bednop was in the 40-Year-Old Virgin. He's the go-fuck-a-goat yeah, guy yeah. that worked with Andy in the uh, in the video store. Yeah, I know, Jerry. I, it's I, not I, about the Dirty Sanchez or the Golden Shower <laughs> or the Pussy Juice Cocktail. Remember that scene? Jerry, yeah, Jerry Bednob, like, because I'm friends with him, one of the things that I really click with him is uh, he might be the only guy besides me who knew Rick Moranis did stand-up. Shit, I didn't know Rick yeah. Moranis did stand-up. When was that? Yeah, that was, like, in Toronto. Like I, Wow. Like, I, because I... I've like I'm a huge Rick Moranis. Yeah, me too. You know, so like I googled and I you know I just read all these stories. How he's been putting out these like comedy songs. And yeah, stuff he's like, like a country almost singer. like a like a polka guy or something. And I did his wife die? Or, yeah, she died. Yeah, just like like Marty Short, and then he kind of went to Canada or, or wherever he lives and just raising his kids. It's amazing how many big movies Rick Moranis was in. Yeah. And how great he was. You know, one one of the great things about Martin Short is is uh, his wife died and. Uh, he was doing a late show. The guy who interviewed him didn't know his wife died. Yeah. So he asked, how's your wife doing? And Martin totally just when he's like, oh, she's good. She's at home. It was Kathy Lee. It was yeah. Kathy Lee and, and, and Hoda. Yeah. And she's going, you have one of the greatest marriages in Hollywood. You and your wife have been, you love your yeah. wife so much. Yeah. He goes, I do, I do. And but they he, didn't know it. They, that's what a gentleman he is. Yeah, but he played it off so. He's, he's brilliant. He's like the best. Him and, and, um, and um, Dana Carvey are the two best yeah. panel guests because they will always be on, they will always do whatever impression you ask them to do, and they're always entertaining. You know, whenever they were on, like, The Tonight Show or Letterman or whatever, just very entertaining. Yeah. I, I love Martin Short. I just think he's brilliant. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Uh, but, but boy, I would love to see Rick Moranis do something. Yeah. He was so good. He was awesome. He was... I, I heard that he was, and I hate to say this, but they same thing with Gary Berghoff, who played Radar. Right, yeah. The beloved guy. I heard he was a real asshole, and I kind of heard that about Rick Moranis, too. Well, you... I, but he I, took his acting very serious. You yeah. Know? I mean, he was brilliant in... Uh, um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, I loved him. And, and Ghostbusters. Oh. And uh, 
What was that? Uh, My Blue Honey, Heaven. I Shrunk the Kids. My Blue Heaven. Uh, Parenthood. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was great. Well, when I first got this podcast, I wrote Rick Moranis to do it. You know, and uh, when you have a show, you're going to get more no's than yeses. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't expect high hopes. But then they're like, okay, he'll do it for $500. I was like, well, I don't pay people, but it's Rick Moranis. He's one of my heroes. Maybe I will. You know what I mean? And they're like, but you can't ask him any comedy questions. You have to just talk about country with him. I was like, oh, not that worth, worth it. That ain't worth $500. <laughs> like, for $250, i will talk about country. Yeah, like, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I'm going to grab a tissue, but yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, you know, is a singer. Yeah. And uh, so he was performing with his band on the road somewhere. And uh, the interviewer, you know, in the press junket, they started asking him about, oh, you were great in this movie and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, look, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about my music. Yeah. Oh, Okay. And they'll talk about music, and then, then they'll go back to it. But in, uh, in this movie, and he got fucking pissed off at them. Well, uh, Billy Bob did the Norms uh, podcast, and when he was in there, like uh, the producers were saying, oh, what can we talk about? But Norm and Billy Bob were actually good friends. Billy's like, no, we can talk about whatever. Oh, that's cool. So, you know what I mean? But, like, Billy, Billy's very good presence, you know what I mean? Like, I loved Norm's uh, episode with uh, Letterman. Letterman. And they were kind of making fun of Adam Egan a lot. That was kind of funny about getting hand jobs underneath the Brooklyn Bridge or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Norm did the very last uh, stand-up panel for the Letterman show. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was really, really touching. I just love that joke he had about, yeah, yeah, you know, you ever see a homeless guy out in the street with a dog, you know? And like, you know, the homeless guy has a choice, but the dog is like, this is the longest walk, walk of ever. my life, yeah. That's one of the. That's one of those jokes that I always see comics still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like. Yeah, there's a guy. Uh, there's a guy in Lake Tahoe that I saw do that. And then I, I on the news, a couple of the uh, jokes that I loved, he had. Uh, he, he said, uh, the comedy of Robin Williams. You know, uh, Christopher Reeves said the comedy. This was after his accident. Christopher Reeves said the comedy of Robin Williams has given him the strength and motivation to live on. On the other hand, the comedy of Paulie Shore makes him wish for the swift end of death. <laughs> and then he had another line that I loved about, you know, Bart the Bear in the movie The Bear. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the dog, the bear died of cancer. He goes, yeah, you know that movie, uh, Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear was paid $200,000 for his appearance in the movie The Edge. Uh, $100,000 was donated to the preservation of grizzlies and the other 100000 he spent on bear hookers. <laughs> oh, he was the best with the news, man. He oh, was yeah, so yeah. good. I mean, people go, oh, Chevy Chase. No, uh, I would say Norm. Fucking Norm was hysterical. And honestly, I would say the second would probably be Neilan. Yeah, Neilan was great too, yeah. And then Charles Rocket was good. Yeah, yeah. But Jane Curtin was pretty good at it too. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, and Seth Meyers was great too. Cause, yeah, uh, I love. Well, I'm a big fan of Seth Meyers, and but that's I when love, I stopped watching oh, Saturday really? Night Live because, like, I felt like Saturday Night Live got way too political. Mm. You know what I mean? It's always been political, though. I mean, when it's it first started, like, it was during the the Nixon administration when yeah. it first came on. It was extremely political. But I'm talking like every sketch. Like, you yeah, know, true. Like, you're right. You're right. Because, like, the sketches used to be about jokes. Like, yeah. where's the juice? You know what I mean? And then the Dan Aykroyd clone heads. And then it's just... Now it's like... Yeah, there was... Uh, when uh, Aykroyd used to do Nixon. And uh, and Belushi 
uh, John Belushi would be um, uh, with you know, Jew Boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Mr. President. It was, it was great. I mean, we grew up on that stuff. Well, we're running out of time, but the last question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know Fred Wolf? No, I don't know Fred Wolf. Oh, man. Isn't he a writer? Doesn't yeah, he write yeah. a lot of Adam's movies? Yeah, yeah, but he also did stand-up. No, I, ne- I never met him. Oh, well, I was going to tell you a joke and make it funny with Blake Clark. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're good friends. Oh, it's not going to make sense now. Okay. If you don't know Fred, it's... Blake, since we're talking about Blake, let me tell you a funny story that Blake told me. Blake... Clark is a great actor. Yeah. He was in uh, The Water Boy. He played Farmer Fran. Yeah. Remember that time, Bobby Boucher? And then he played Drew Barrymore's dad in Fifty First Dates. So uh, in The Water Boy, you know, uh, Henry Winkler played the coach. Yeah. And they said, look, don't don't mention the Fonz. Don't do any Fonz jokes. You know, they all the actors were told this. Don't, don't bring do up it. the Fonz. Yeah. yeah. So they're out drinking after the first week of shooting. They're all in a bar. You know, all the, all the actors and comics and Henry Winkler, and they're all having beers and they're fun. And they're making toast to the movie, to this, to that. And they're doing toasts. And Blake Clark goes, to the Fonz! <laughs> right? And everyone's just quiet. Everyone's quiet. And, and Henry Winkler just goes, eh. He does the A thing. And everyone just went nuts. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Well, uh, Harry, is there anything where the folks can follow you and, like, well, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram at Harry Basil and uh, Twitter, you know, Harry Basil. Are you a big social Basil. media person? I'm, I'm, I'm dabbling. Yeah. I'm not great at it. It's like you're torn between yes. I'm, I want to be, but yeah. I just don't. I'm not the best at it. I think I'm, I, I've mastered Facebook a little, but I'm shitty with uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter and um, yeah. I don't twat. I don't tweet. Uh, you know and. Uh, and Instagram, well, I understand Instagram now is the big thing, you know, like yeah. the, the Laugh Factory Instagram in Hollywood, you know, is huge. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't even know if we have a fucking Vegas one. I got to get it going. Yeah. I'm not even good on social media because I have a social disorder. Well, there you go. <laughs> Anti-social media. <laughs> ah, that's a good thing. Right? Harry, thanks so hey, much. Hey, it was buddy. a lot of fun, Keith. All it, right. it went by really quick. Yeah. Well, I love you very much. Uh, and thank you, you so man. much and for doing it. for you, buddy. Ah, oh, thanks, pal. All right. We're great with Harry Basil. Uh, if you like the show, uh, subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, pop, you know, just regular feedback. If you liked it, great. If you didn't like it, just tell us. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Have a good night. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.